Oeherema Yorana. You're listening to Tereva Neyao, the only podcast currently documenting the voices and lives of Tahitian American families and couples, the long distance, the love stories, our lives between Tahiti and the United States of America. We present to you Tereva Neyao. Hey, Kuraura! Thank you for coming back to Tereva Neyao podcast. This is Ryan, and I'm really excited to share with y'all this interview I did. It's very lengthy, but it was a great conversation with somebody I respect so much, which is Uncle Anthony Manawis. Uncle Anthony is from here in the San Francisco Bay Area, the East Bay to be exact, and he's currently in Rangiroa, French Polynesia in the Tuamotus, raising his young daughter Tudereura with his wife, Natalie Teura, from French Polynesia. Uncle Anthony and I had a lot to talk about, so we'll just jump right in. I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm, when I first saw you put together your Tishan American um, uh, group there, I was like, wow, this is really cool, you know? Because I remember back in the day, um, 10 years ago, when, when my wife and I first got married, um, we were kind of, we felt unique to the situation. Um, but apparently, no, it's not true. There's so many different uh, other couples, but I just wanted to say thank you for inviting me to the, for the podcast that you have. And I admired all the work that you're doing. Um, I, I totally feel you with you and Vaidea, how things are when you first got in contact with me and how, you know, I brought a lot of back, a lot of memories on how my wife and I got started and everything. But uh, congratulations. I wanted to make sure I tell you that. And hello to everybody who's listening. Voila. Uh, yeah, my name is Anthony Waipa Manawis. Uh, I consider myself a, how you call that? A first generation of mine, of my kind, I guess you could say. My parents, uh, Ruth Nalua Manawis and Benjamin Antonio Manawis, um, came from Hawaii. And let's see, they moved out here in 67, so they're both raised in, in Hawaii. Uh, on the island of Oahu. My father's um, heritage is of uh, Filipino. They were, from what I heard, uh, my grandmother was, her family were farmers in, in the working the plantations um, in Kauai. My grandfather came from a province in the north, they both came from provinces in the Philippines, in the northern part of Philippines, Ilocos Norte and Pakistan. They had, an, what I understand, arranged marriage. Um, they were a young couple. Well, my grandmother was 14 when they got married and my grandfather was 21. So then they had kids. My mother's side is of Hawaiian and German descent. Um, my, those, my grandparents met in after, just after World War II, I would think. I think it was. Uh, my grandfather was a, um, a Navy, uh, retired Navy captain, commander, something like this. Anyway, that's where they met. And my mother, growing up, traveled through with my grandfather to the mainland, continent U.S., Newfoundland. I heard they did a stint in Florida, New York, Los Angeles, uh, Bay Area, and then finally came back to Hawaii where the, her, her and my mother and the siblings under her, uh, well, actually all of them graduated high school in Hawaii. So they all grew, my parents grew up in Hawaii. 
but my they both wanted to better themselves they felt that the islands weren't enough jobs and they heard that um, california would offer a little bit more so my father he went actually went to the reserves he went to he was in the navy reserves and he got called to duty for vietnam after he got out of the navy they decided to move up to uh to california that was in 67 i was born in 68 and so we were born with the knowledge that we were of Hawaiian descent and of Filipino descent. And um, it, I think if my earliest remember, uh, recollection of getting into culture and things like this was my mom's brothers and sisters in the living room. I think I was like four or five. There was a reel-to-reel tape. This is, I don't know, for those who don't know what this is. If you've ever seen a tape cassette, it's a huge version of it. It's a reel-to-reel. This is how we used to put back then was LPs and records. We used to put um, four albums on this one reel-to-reel so you can go nonstop music for like four hours. That was playing in the living room and there was Hawaiian music. And my evidently it was my, my mom, her two brothers and her sister were performing. They were doing performances um, throughout the Bay Area as the Haoli Aikani's Happy Friends. That was my early recollection of Hawaiian music and dancing and, and whatnot. The, my mother was, was dancing with a halal in Newark. We were living in Newark uh, at the time, or in Fremont, she was teaching, uh, learning. From Auntie Rose Loki Thomas, 75, she graduated Kumuhula and opened her halal in, oh, she graduated 76, 75, 76 as a Kumuhula. And then opened the halal in 76. By that time, I was what? I remember that, nine years old. My dad built, helped build out a garage. We were living in Union City. Renovated the garage, turned it into a halal or studio. Mirrors, full on, you know, tiled the floor. And then from that point on, our life became halal. We were halal life. Um, the mixture of mostly Hawaiian at the time. And at the same time, there was a kumuhula named uh, Uncle Joe Kalaleo. Uh, Joseph Kamohai Kalaleo. He had a, his halal in Hayward off of Jackson Street. And a lot of the Bay Area, um, Bay Area Hawaiians, the Hawaiian community flocked to him. Bay Area Hayward, Union City, Fremont, Newark, San Leandro, and, and some Sacramento started, you know, started moving around and stuff like that. After all, Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe was, uh, he was a master kumula. The knowledge he had was, was like, wow, here in the mainland, we have a master kumula. All my uncles. Uh, and my mom and my auntie, so two brothers and two sisters, were taking hula from Uncle Joe. And then there was his um, drummer. His name is Van Francisco. You probably heard of him. He was a bass player for Uncle Joe, and he also was a uh, a, a toere. He played toere, toere pahu. And he was teaching my uncle's toere. And then I remember going in in our halal in, in Union City. My uncle would have a toire outside, and he, I mean, he would bring this toire over, and he would, he had notes, and I was like, wow, what is daddy's doing? And I, and I learned pahe for the first time. Well, for us, we were calling it pahe. And I learned pahe for the first time, and I said, I love this. What is this? What is going on? And I found out that Van, Van was playing, uh, teaching toire at Uncle Joe's halal in Hayward, and my mom signed me up. And then that was, uh, from there, when I started to play toire, I was like, yeah, nine. And yeah, I mean, growing up in the in in that probably at that time when we started doing the halal is when I seen a lot more Hawaiian community. And I realized we all kind of just 
realize, yeah, okay, this is more and more Hawaiian people we saw, more and more local people we saw. And, you know, we were already familiar with some of the lingo that was going on. I mean, we grew up with, you know, not speaking Hawaiian, but we knew certain words. And it was trippy. I, I reminisce on now. I remember running to families that, hey, they got the same kind. That's how we talk, you know. You know, because we didn't hear that at school. There was not that much local uh, people from Hawaii at our at our schools. So it wasn't the same language, obviously, you know, words that we knew. But when you ran into people that spoke outside of family, that became family. You know what I mean? That, oh, that's my uncle. Not really my uncle, but that's my uncle. Oh, that's my auntie. Oh, that's my cousin. You know, and the family, the Cal we call it the Calabasha. The family got bigger and bigger in the community. But it was, um, yeah, it was, it was that. It wasn't until... Yeah, 79, maybe, that we finally went to Hawaii for the first time. My, grand, my, my mom's father passed away, and she took us all, my mother and father took us all back to Hawaii. And that was the first time we went to Hawaii. And um, I, we stayed at my grandmother's house um, in Kalihi, and I got to know my grandmother on the Filipino side, yeah? My, uh, my grandmother was, my grandmother, Hawaiian grandmother was still alive. After, she, after he, my grandfather passed away, she lived with us. And she, she spoke fluent Hawaiian back in the day. But as she got married to my grandfather, I think he kind of, she spoke more, less and less and less Hawaiian. But she, the Hawaiian customs were always there. She always had poi in the house. She always, always, always ate poi. There was always poi in the house and there was always um, Hawaiian music playing, always Hawaiian music playing. In fact, I got into the habit of playing Hawaiian music before she got up just because I knew she loved it and I wanted to, you know, we always wanted to make my grandma happy. So it was, I remember, I remember a lot of that. But yeah, going to the Hawaii for the first time and, you know, knowing Hawaiian music, knowing this, that, and the other, but being in Hawaii for the first time was pretty trippy at, at that age. First generation out of the island, but being brought up local style. You know what I mean? That was, that was the thing. That was, that was trippy for us. Then as I got older, there was more that I found out there was well, a lot a lot of us that were born, you know, from parents who were raised and born and raised in, 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 in Hawaii, but moved and then had kids outside of Hawaii and raised us local style. You know what I mean? I mean, that's I mean, it's, it sounds like it. Yeah, of course, your parents are going to raise you the way they've been raised. Of course, that's it. But it was just, you know, we lived there something else, almost like we lived in Hawaii, but we didn't. You know what I mean? It was trippy. And we were all I mean, to this day. It's, it's still pretty trippy for me. <laughs> well, that diaspora is really important, though, you know, because as a Hawaiian person or, you know, you know, your parents are from Hawaii yeah. uh, for you to find community that way. I think it's really important when you're young, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can absolutely. imagine that. Um, yeah. Can you, you know, so most people, I mean, we, I think all of us in the community know about your Hawaiian side. At what point did the halau become known as Otea Api? And, and at what point did you get involved in more of the Tahitian culture? I mean, you mentioned the drumming, but there's an obvious other shift that brought it, you know, because everybody knows Oteapi. Right. So can you tell us that story? Sure, 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 sure. Um, so when my mom um, was, was already teaching at the Halal, uh, started the Halal in 77, right? My brother, I can remember now because my little brother was born in 76. Halal started in 77. I think it was... Um, 79, 
I, I was I was already drumming, right? And then Van Francisco told my mom that he wanted he wanted to, he wanted me to come and drum with him um, for the San Francisco Tahiti Fed. First San Francisco Tahiti Fed was in 1980, and I was drumming with uh, and I can't even remember the name of the group that we took, but I remember it was a a, a, a good friend of mine from Kowai. Her name was Kathleen, and I was house drumming for soloists, but back then it was, yeah, the San Francisco Tahiti Fed, if some people might not know, but it was a good, it was a strong foundation of how the competitions are run today. Um, as far as the solo competition is concerned, where we have numbers for, for you know, when you sign up and you, you, you register, you get a number and you're in age categories, boys and girls, obviously. And then there's that element, we, we used to call it the elimin elimination round where the judges see you and then they pick the next numbers to go up to the finalist round. My mom also became administrator for the San Francisco Tahiti Fed. She was the one registering people and passing out the numbers. And she was the one passing out the score sheets to all the judges spread out. Um, so I remember that. And then there was a moment where I believe Uncle Joe, because Uncle Joe is was Uncle Joe, Kahalo and Van Francisco that ran the Tahiti Fed in San Francisco. They actually ran a, a, a Kauai fit back in Kauai in, in mid seventies. So when they both, when they, when Uncle Joe moved up to the mainland, he wanted to start a Tahiti fit in, in San Francisco. He actually started the first one in Sacramento. I didn't, I didn't attend that one yet. It wasn't until they did San Francisco, which was at Fort Mason, you know, Bay street, Fort Mason out there, the, where the big, the big piers are. Whew, I remember that competition. It 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 was huge. You it was a huge warehouse where you go in full of um, the first part of the warehouse. It's one of those pure warehouses, right? So the first part of the pure warehouse is the food booth stands. The second part is the competition. It was a grandstand in the front, two grandstands in the back, in in on the sides, stage in the back, and the floor was flat on the ground. So everybody got to see it, like um almost like um almost like the Hava. Like you know, Mahavayete or Tuata, and um, it it was a I remember it was a forty foot by forty foot stage. It was a huge stage, and the judges were around. So anyway, how Ote Ap started was Uncle Joe noticed that uh, he wanted the groups were coming in and doing and and you know were, there was a time where it seemed like the 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 Tahitian dance that the Tahitian dance was going a certain way influenced by Waikiki. I'm gonna put my opinion in there. I'm gonna go, huh? a, what he saw was he wanted to see if he can get more traditional. So he wanted to do a traditional category. So then my mom was thinking, well, maybe we should help help with it by creating a group that can enter that category. Therefore, that, that'll bring in more other groups to compete in the traditional category. We'll therefore have a traditional category and a more contemporary category. This is back in the early 80s. <clears throat> so Uncle Joe agreed and he said, okay, well, let's, let's call your group, let's call the group Otea Api. And obviously Otea is the dance. And for him, Api was, the term is Te Ui Api, as I came to realize older being older, meaning the youth, right? I think that's what he meant, but he also described Api as being the the moment a, a flower opens, the, the 
you know, like a bud flower, just yeah, like a blossoming. Yeah. Voila. Mm-hmm. Hey, after that, that's what he said. He, he gave us that, he gave that name, Oteapi. So my mom, that year, we had, Tahiti Fed San Francisco had three categories. Tamari'i category, teenager category, and then adult category. So my mom created three different groups. Tamari'i uh, intermediate, which was like the uh, teenager, yeah? Taurere. After is the Tapari. Three different groups. We practice every Saturday, three hours, tamari'i, three hours, intermediate, three hours adult, nine hours in one day. I was drumming. Sometimes the other drummers never showed up. I was 10 or 11, and I'll be the only drummer <laughs> rehearsing for nine hours straight with my mom. And we created Oteapi from that point. And we entered the adults in the traditional category, but the kids, there was no traditional contemporary, it was just Tamari'i and then uh, Taurea for the, uh, for the teenagers. And that's how Oteapi started. It was in. 1981, officially, that's how we look at it. Oteapi was 1981. And we, we were entered San Francisco, Tahiti Fed, um, all the way till San Francisco was what? I think it stopped at 89. I think I recall 89 or 88 was the last year that, that San Francisco Tahiti Fed. And then Antipua started San Jose in 1990. My, my sister and my mom was taking a group to, uh, Keiki Hula Festival in, in Honolulu to enter a, a group in, the, in that hula competition. And so I stayed back and competed in Antipua's, um, Antipua Tokumuru's San Jose Fed for the first time. And Oteapi won overall. I didn't win Otea place, nothing. I won, I, I thought, yeah, and Aparima came in third place, but I entered everybody in solo. And at that time, Antipua, Antipua had your points went all to overall, all points, no matter what you did, no matter if you never placed or nothing. And by that, I won, I won all the IP won overall with that. And then after that, you know, we were in a small studio in Fremont. Uh, we got out of my mom's garage and I started to, started to do shows by myself. And, and, and uh, I started to, to take on students. I was, well, I should back it up a little bit. When I was in um, high school, I went to I went to rural uh, Catholic high school in Hayward, and they had a poly club. Um, the, the poly club was designed to help. Uh, there was there was Samoans and Tongans and some Hawaiians that were going to school there, so they opened the poly club. I became president of this club in 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 my senior year, and every year they have a luau. So I was in charge of you know the food. And I was in charge of entertainment. So I had all my connections, you know, my family did the food and then we had our halal. And then that was the first time that I taught a group, choreographed, put the show together, drummed for the group. Because prior to that, I was just doing shows with my mom and, and, you know, I was doing all the choreography and routines that my mom did back in the day in San Francisco, Tahiti Fit. And so I just, being a drummer, I found that the best way for me to remember my pieces was to follow the dance. So I learned the dance as well. Whenever my mom was stuck and whenever the kids were stuck, it's like this, it's like this, the motions are like this or like this, because I knew the beat, I would be able to follow. So I memorized all the, all those choreographies. Right. And 
that's what I first, that was my repertoire. And I was teaching that. Those, those choreographies, those old day, uh, those Aparima, like this. And anyway, so all those years doing that, it was in 1987 when my sister, my brother and I, we, when I, I graduated that year, my mom took us to Kauai and we, the Kauai Tahiti Fet was being relaunched through under my auntie, uh, auntie Carol Kuipo Akau or Akau Kasil. She was an understudy or one of Uncle Joe's uh, premier dancers when traveling in, in when he was in Hawaii for Hawaii Visitors Bureau. And she was a renowned Tahitian dancer in the islands of Hawaii. Anyway, we trained with her and she trained me for the solo competition in Kauai. I had just won overall San Francisco Tahiti Fit um, and as a solo dancer. And my brother won his category, but me and my brother, I think we went up against each other and I, I had won that year or something like that in 87. And we all went to Kauai and we trained for a whole summer. And Carol at the time had the, um, she had the Wailua uh, show, Smith Tropical Paradise in, in Wailua. And so we were in that show for the whole summer of 87. Then he, she had a group come up from, from Honolulu, uh, that's it called, Tuomotu Api. And this is uh, Tunu Itali and his sisters, his wife, at the time, and a small group. Evidently, Tunui is a, oh, evidently, he is a grandson, or he's this, yeah, he's a grandson of Hiriata Maritrangi. So his family is Maritrangi family. So this is where I learned a lot of Maritrangi. From him, he, when he came to Kauai, he saw my, my sister and I perform, and we got to talk a lot after the Kauai Fed. And he asked my mom, because he was, he was in a convention show, if he could take me and my sister because he needed more people in his cast because it was a it was a huge 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 convention show in Waikiki and he had needed he needed two stages to be simultaneously and so he saw that I could drum he said I can put Anthony on this stage and then I can go drum on the other stage and then Katrina can dance and voila so I learned me and Katrina learned a whole show and we went to Honolulu we're in Honolulu you know here we are in Honolulu doing convention shows with Tunu Italia and his group, Tuomotu Api, and that summer continued on, and I was learning, learning Tahitian song, Pamutu songs, in fact. And from that point on, from eight, that was the year 87, 88, 89, we were going back, back and forth to, uh, to, uh, to Honolulu, and we were performing with Tunui then. And then when I came back from that trip the first time, it was crazy because I that that time it was almost when San Francisco was finishing, San Jose was starting, and even my drumming technique stopped back in the day. Before that, we used to drum, and I think I remember Laie even College Culture Center, the Teaching Village, we drum with the tobare flat and the pahu, almost like rarotongi uh, style, flat in front of us. When I came back from Tunuidem, I stood it up, and I was one of the first ones in the Bay Area that was standing the authority up straight like this. We had visitors at the Merced because Merced was going on back day, back in the early 80s as I was growing up, as well as San Francisco Tegifet. And Tebeki still had her competition, it was in Turlock at the time. And all us in Bay Area was still, I have videos of us playing the authority flat like that. I think it was Pete Sonoy and his crew, Tiari Productions, that would come up from Southern California and he would have a few Tahitians with them, authority standing up like this. And we were like, what the, oh, that's all new stuff. That's uh, Roya Suega, 
comment ça s'appelle, Stefan from Tupua. Um, there was one dancer that came from uh, Nonocina, but Nonocina was, it was still, I like Alex them, it was still Teatro Productions, Peter Sonoy them, and that crew that were coming in from LA. We could tell, at that point, I could tell LA was a different scene from Northern California. You know what I mean? We had Tahitians in Northern California, but LA had a lot of Tahitians. You know what I mean? They had a, that, was, that was a huge crew over there. And I remember going to competitions over there. We, we ran into them a lot. And then through the years, obviously, the gap got smaller. And we all kind of, you know, we all kind of knew each other more and, and, and progressed in that way. But that's how, that's how Oteapi started. I mean, from, 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 from that humble, humble beginning of wanting to do something traditional and then, and then blossomed because of competitions um, such as San Jose 30 Fed. Well, San Francisco 30 Fed to Oteapi's name was there. But yeah, it was because of San Jose and Merced, uh, Auntie Becky's competition, that Oteapi became a little bit more known. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story. That That's an amazing long, story. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I know it's long, but I think it's important, right? Because it's Oteapi is such a pillar and a historic part of our um, Haitian dance community overseas, you know, so it's important right. to document that history. So there's something that there's a part of the story that I'm missing as well, but I'm, I'm wondering if you could share it on record. Um, so obviously when I brought Vedea here, you know, she, she greeted Coco um, and, and, you know, he, she's related to him on two sides. I think on the dad's side, the two boy side, the mom side's the Rimatara side. Mm. So she's a niece. She, she didn't know that he works closely with Oteapi. Right. I always knew that in my, in my youth, right? And so she had asked him, oh, why do you come so often? And he said, oh, Anthony's my son. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that was one of the comments he made to her. So I'm, you know, I, I kind of, I knew already though, like going to Farede to Ah, going to Farede, baby. You know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, at what point did um, Koko Hota Hota adopt, you know, kind of, Temaiva kind of come into the picture with Oteapi. I've always known them synonymously, right? Like I've when I went to Heiva Reno the first time was I was pretty young. I wasn't dancing or drumming anything yet. Mm. I was there because my sister was competing as a little kid. Mm. And then later on, I, I I noticed a connection. You know, it's always Oteapi and Temaiva. Mm. Um, but you know what what is that? Where did that connection come from? We had for us to to get music, we always had cassettes. Or record or records, and mom, my mom had, for somehow she just always and and got these these albums, and I remember this one cassette that she had. It wasn't the cassette original; it was a recording of the album, and on the on it, all it said was um, Tahiti Fet, Tahiti Fet, and then it said Coco, <laughs> Tahiti Fet Coco. So it was a. Uh, I, I, I believe it was a time that he did the Tudai or the Heva, and it was his presentation. And it was um, something like this, right? I don't, you know, and because I said Coco on it, I assumed it was Coco. I didn't know Timaiva name yet. And boom, that stayed in my head. More people started talking. Van Francisco had gone to Tahiti with Uncle Joe, met Coco when he was, I believe it was at the Queens when they were performing there. Timaiva. And so that name Coco came up again. And then when I met with Tunui, then uh, his mom, Nani Tarangi, the Maritarangi family knew of Coco as well. I think um, the sister, Etinani's sister Rita, 
danced with Coco back in back in the earlys when he first started his group. And so that name came up again through them, you know, Coco. And I'm like, wow. And I remember traveling, we, me and Tunui went to, uh, he took me to uh, Holland one time. We, went to, we were in Amsterdam for a competition. We have some friends that have a group there. And um, she had albums. And then she goes, this is Coco Hota Hota. I'm like, wow, the group Timaiba. So Tunui, that's the, I think that was the first time I heard Timaiba. I said, wow, okay. And I'm hearing the album, I'm hearing the drumming. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. I like it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's you know. So this is a early, yeah, this is the late 80s, going into the 90s, the name from San Francisco, to 80, I mean, uh, San Francisco, 80, of course, now, now the name is big, you know, everybody, you know, we're all familiar with Coco Hota Hota. It wasn't until my first time going to Tahiti, 90, either 95 or 96, and before, <laughs> the year, be, two years before, no, 92. So here I am in, in, involved in San Jose Tahiti Fed 1990 for the first time, and now I'm hooked. The group is getting bigger. I'm planning to, you know, my for the next year presentation. At, at some point, it was a reconfirmation for me as far as program is set. I knew Ote Tomora Anamua after this Arofa. After Arofa, maybe another Otea. After the Otea, I'll change Aparima. That's what. I, I kind of had that format. We were taught that kind of format. But Coco, when I saw the presentation of Coco, it even confirmed it more. I said, okay, okay, cool. Um, um, and then I also, from watching the presentation that he did, Pat Wahibi now was getting introduced in my head, how it worked. I'm like, ah, okay, okay, okay. So, and then I saw a picture of Coco on the screen. I'm like, wow, that's Coco. Yeah, look at that. And I'm like, wow, the costume. This was the Mayra's presentation of Hito. Hito, only Hito had passed away. I'm putting the, I didn't know back then, right? But after I realized that was his presentation, that was the presentation of Ani Hito. And it, the costume, the people, the stage was just, whoa, blew my mind, blew my mind. And I said, I, I, I need to get to that point. And anyway, not to the point of like that, of course, that's like a blown out dream, but what so much people, can you imagine if I came in the San Jose fit like that? Wow, that's crazy. You know, back then I'm already thinking like that's a, I want to do that. '96, before that, he retires. He retires in '93, '92, '93, and I got a videotape of him. I'm like, what? How come? He oh, I got the I got a, I got a whole of videotapes from my mom from Kauai Fed because Auntie Carol and my mom went to Tahiti because the, the minister of culture was Mako Tevani, Moana's father, huh? And my mom and Auntie Carol on this visit visited with him because he was Minister of Culture at the time. And they were going to do an exchange with Koi Tahiti Fed. They was going to make it happen. There was a va'a as well that was involved. But they gave videotapes to Auntie Carol. Auntie Carol gave videotapes to us. And this was Heiva 90, Arahoi, Vayete, 91, Jesco, 90, 92, 92 maybe. Anyway, so I was watching all the groups. I was watching uh, who was dancing back there, Dorea Uranui, the Yara Tahiti one year inside there, amateur groups, and, and, and it was at Vallete. So I, it was like I was there. I was witnessing this, you know, for the first time, you know, and perhaps before a lot of people in the Bay Area. And, I, and that's how I really got to be able to get to the, um, to the format of what we saw at Tahiti Fed back in those days in the early 90s. 15 of us, maybe? 
three families. It was me, uh, Mareto, Tavita at the time. Tavita was a, a good friend of mine that I met through Cindy Kao, uh, Mormoa. Donkey, he, he, his mission was to go to, because he spoke French already, fluent, to go to Tahiti. So he learned how to speak Tahitian, and he was my translator. And he he and I wrote a lot of songs for 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 uh, San Jose Tahiti Fed. A lot of my original, a lot of my music in the beginning, when I did the Honuhere, uh, all those themes back in the day, he helped me write. And up to the last day, that theme will see he helped me write. Here's Koku and, and what I appeared to me to be a, a spot where they were interviewing because all the cameras were there. They were doing interviews with people, right? It was like the, how do you call that? The, um, uh, the press, interview right? spot. Yeah, right. And there was a break. He just finished the interview and he called me up and Tobita was with me and and Tobita translated. And that was the first time I met. I have a picture of that. That's the first time we met. Would he, does he remember that, that moment? I don't think so. But that was like 96. It wasn't until 2000 that I met Coco personally. And I had uh, Moana Pearls. Moana Pearls calls me up. I'm at Heba Irino for year 2000, and I'm putting it on. This is the second Heba, second or third. Yeah, because I started, we started in 98. And he, um, Moana Pearls calls me up and says, hey, um, I have Coco Hotahota with me. I go, what? Because yeah, I want to bring him up. Do you need, would you like for him to come up and judge for your Heba? I said, most definitely. Uh, can we do an exchange? He wanted two stands for, to, for his pearls. I said, no problem. You got it. No problem. He came. And that was the first time I met. He drove all the way from LA. They drove, yeah, <laughs> all the way from LA to Reno. He arrives about two, two o'clock in the morning. And I meet him for, I, I, I feel like that was our first time we met. And after that, my obviously my French and Tahitian wasn't all that good. His English was not all that good. Um, I met him for dinner and we had a glass of wine. And I said, I have a workshop set up for you tomorrow. Um, I'll meet you there in the morning. And he was okay. And he was very serious about his work. He looked at me, what time? Okay, all right, this is my last glass of wine. I remember that he said something like this, it was translated to me. And I go, okay. Yeah. And then I met him, he and I were there for like an hour before registration started. And it was my first good conversation. We talked about, we talked about presentations and we talked about how you should do this, put it as best, best of I, I got out of it was, you know, how you line up your ote, uh, how you, what, how your tempo should be in the rhythm of the presentation. And I was into it. I was really, I was really, really into it. He, you know, he smokes the bison, he rolls a cigarette and I was smoking at the time. And he goes, you smoke? I'm all, yeah. And he goes, he, he, instead of, I mean, he would have made it for me, I'm sure. He gave me the pack. And so I, I was thinking, you know, yeah, I'm not a good roll of cigarettes. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm trying to roll the cigarette. And the next thing you know, I put it in there, I light it on fire, the whole thing just falls apart <laughs> in my face. And he laughed, and when he laughed, it was the first time I, I had heard this laugh. But I, re, I, I'm familiar with the face of his smile, because in 1988, I had a newspaper clipping with me of him. There's this pose that he does like this, yeah, his hands behind his head, and his other hand is up, and he's all in his white 
Otea Cause it's black and white, but you can tell it's a white Mori and his whole crew is on this. It looks like the Tomora out here. It just finishes his uh, opening dance and he's like that. And big smile, same smile that I just saw there. I had that newspaper clipping with me for, to give me inspiration at the Koi Fet. And I would open that. I remember in my briefcase, I would open it up and just, just before I go on, I look at that picture. Okay, all right. I get hyped up and I'm because I'm, of that, that it was that moment, I think that it was a confirmation, of course, but it was more of a Tahitian dance was the joy of life. It wasn't about competition. It wasn't about, it wasn't about winning. It wasn't about giving, a, giving an outlandish presentation. It was about being there and, 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 and just enjoying the whole moment of, of that moment. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget how I got that in my head from that picture and then watching him laugh at that moment we were it was it was crazy and from that point uh i asked him to come up for haverino and we became really really good friends really really good really 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 close really really close to the point where um you know for me that was coco hotota and he was retired i knew he had retired already he's kapuna you know what i mean i took care of him I'll, I'll, you do that you do that for your kupuna, you do that for your elders, especially this man. This man, to me, was royalty. You know what I mean? To me, he's like, you know, this is Coco. I mean, look what, look what, how fitting what Henry Moana and Fabian did to at his at his at his interment at the their services in Toata. Not one person that I can remember has ever had that for the first time in Toata. So it's like this man meant a lot to a lot of people, a lot of people. You know, and he was, yeah. can you imagine what I'm going through? I had known about him all my years growing up and knowing that who he is, here I am talking to him, conversing to him. And as the years progressed, I was able to converse more. I remember him telling me, why don't you speak French? So, so we can communicate, you know, he want, I could tell that he was, you know, like, ah, you know, so was I, you know, and then slowly but surely, I got it. And slowly but surely he got it. It was crazy, you know? Getting to that point where you explained that you had that um, epiphany all of a sudden that what this is all about. Yeah. And that, that was actually the original tagline. I remember uh, as a kid, my dad had the CD. It was Heva Iteti, Celebration of Life. Voila. Yeah. Were, I and, had that one too. That was yeah, a good and, one. And, you know, I kind of wish they didn't get rid of that tagline right. because it would explain so much, right? Like that. that's also... I, I came up into Oriteti seeing it as it's all competition. And then actually the longer I've been with Verea, the longer I kind of have strayed away from doing the competition aspect mm. and see it more as, yeah, it's supposed to be about, it's, it's the, the expression and the joy of life, you know, mm. totally, totally could see that. So here's the big question. Now we get to, it transitions to the next part. Um, oui. How did you and Tati meet? Because I, from what I understood, she's actually one of Coco's dancers. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So how did that whole thing come about? <laughs> so anyway, the backstory, there's this, I was, I had been married already and I have three children from my first marriage. Yeah. In 2000 and well, so, so Coco is coming up since 2000 and 2001, 2002, I think it was 2002, him and Auntie Roiti, I always had Tati Roiti come up for judging, yeah? Tati Roiti was, uh, she's the one actually, I'd say, that helped me 
he had a better relationship with Coco. Uh, there was the year after 2000, yeah, it was 2002. They all stayed at my house. I had a, I had a really nice house in Tracy at the time with my, with my first wife. And they came over and they stayed at my house and Tatiroiti had to take off to Hawaii. <laughs> but before she did that, and Coco had to stay an extra day because he wasn't ready to go. I think he was going to do another workshop someplace. But anyway, um, I was taken to the airport and Coco was with me and we negotiated something together. She said that Coco would like your help. I said, okay. He would like to have Timaiva with Fabian come up to Reno. I said, oh, okay. Prior to this, I think um, there was talk about Tahiti doing a, um, an international competition. Kote mea fatere helma, next to the government. They were going to put something on. And so I had gone to Tahiti in 2001 with a, a good friend of mine, Gordon Montero. And he's another one who helped me out with groups in the Southern California. And he was good friends with Dimaiwa. And I had met with, I met through him one of the lead musicians, Romeo Taura, who lives in Papete, through Gordon Montero. Um, and he was a lead drummer for Timaiwa. I already know Coco, but now I was being introduced to uh, musicians in, in, inside Timaiwa. So I went to Tahiti in 2001 with Gordon to meet with uh, the government, some uh, associates of the government that were gonna put on this international competition, invite groups from, inter from international. I think. I think Macau already had done one the year before. So the government thought, ah, let's put something together. So anyway, we went there and um, I got in, I got to get to know, starting to get to know Timaiva better, you know, cause I only knew Coco, right? So now I'm getting to know Timaiva and who they are and, 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 and who the, the moving parts. Cause you know, Timaiva, like all the groups in Tahiti, right? They have a core group. They have a hotel group, where this core group does all the shows in the hotel. When they go for the Heva, it's open and all friends and family can come in. So the group gets bigger. So <laughs> I got to know the core family of Timaiva at this generation of Timaiva, Fabien, uh, Fabien Dinan, um, the family Te, Teho Taata, uh, Romeo Taura, uh, Tifreima, Roger Ma, Tuli Grupa, the musicians Ma. Hey, afterwards, um, and when I came back, Coco said, because he kind of knew that I would knew them because I remember going out to dinner with him as well. At Timaiva was performing at the Meridian and he asked me to come to dinner. We saw the show and I got to know, I got to know more of the cast. Natalie was in there. Her name is Natalie Teura Alfonso. Uh, mother, mother is Demi, father is French. She was a lead dancer for Coco uh, for Timaiva. And um, I believe she got into Timaiwa when she was like 17. She had done the Haver with them since, well, the time of when he came out of retirement, 96. Shukrola, I was there at the first time in Tahiti. I missed Timaiwa's presentation the year that he went back out of retirement, but she was dancing already. So she was there. I had missed her at that moment. You know what I mean? But she was, you know, obviously she was, I mean, that's a different part of her life and I was in a different part of my life. Gordon's group, um, my Polynesia was putting on a competition and it was called Manava. Manava, Heva Manava, Manava Heva, something like this. And Timaiva was the host group. And we did the competition. Gordon asked me to MC. 
So I emceed the show, I emceed the competition, and she was a judge in that competition. I had screwed up the whole introduction. Somebody gave me, oh, I just read it, and she's, she kind of, she understood English, and so <laughs> when she heard it, she just turned around looking at me now, oh, man, that's not right. I'm like, wow, you understood that, because everybody else didn't understand what I was saying in English, right? But she did. I'm like, ain't my bad, huh? I'm just reading what's on here, right? Voila. So that, and then I, I, I remember her from that. But we never had nothing, you know, there was no spark of obviously I, she was with somebody. I was with somebody. And then it was in after Coco and I decided, okay, Demaiva is coming up in 2003 for Hewa Irino. Oteapi is going to Tahiti in October, same year, 2003. We're going to bring Oteapi up. You're going to do two shows in Lotak. Maybe you do a show Morea, maybe you do another show someplace else. <laughs> so I remember getting off the plane, you know, it's, it's always exciting, especially when we just hosted Demaiva in, in Reno. And now they're, have the, they have the opportunity to reciprocate. And whenever Polynesians have the opportunity to reciprocate, it's like they are there in full force, full force. They're going to show their love because you showed that you opened their heart to them. Now it's our turn to show our love for you. And it was in full force. I never seen anything like it. It was so overwhelming it was so overwhelming it was five o'clock in the morning when we arrived you can you can hear all the toeri, you can hear all the poo outside you know and my group's all what's that what's that I go and we walked out you know you rolled out of the outside and boom man all the have i have i have music toeri, the poo, and all the familiar faces that our group got to see you know what i mean i think that was if i if i, if I can give any advice to groups is that camaraderie, I'm sure you've you felt it too with, with your experiences going to Tahiti and whatnot with the group. It's it's beautiful. It's so it's that exchange, you know, and that and I actually there's a lot of groups that can 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 vouch to what I'm saying, but it's 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 just remarkable what you can put together, what what that exchange is, you know. So it was that time that her and I got to got to talk more. She uh, wanted to know how I mean how we're gonna how how we're gonna how we're gonna do. You know, how are we going to do just by our phone calls back and forth? We fell in love. We just fell in love with each other. And um, we decided that she was going to come and visit. So she came out, I think it was Thanksgiving. And she spent Thanksgiving and up to almost almost Christmas time. And no, it was less than that. But Thanksgiving, I remember spending Thanksgiving with us and it just bloomed. We just bloomed together. The ending of 2003, beginning 2004. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Amazing story. <laughs> so yeah, that, that is the next question. How, how did you guys end up figuring out, you know, we don't want to split up. That's the, that's the common story with all the couples like us, right? We don't want to split up. How are we going to do this? I'm from here, you're from there. And what did you figure out how to do her visa coming to the US? What was that like? So <laughs> she had one more visit uh, in 2004. And I believe it was like, yeah, it was springtime. She decided she was going to um, give a leave of absence from her job and teaching because she was teaching Orirao at the time. And Orirao was in uh, yeah, Faripiti, Faripiti area. And um, she actually took time off from work and, and, and from teaching and decided to come up. And she said, maybe I could teach with you. I said, why not? So 
she came up and she stayed with, she can only stay because at the time she didn't have, we, we didn't have, she can only stay for three months. So she decided to stay with me for three months. So I remember her coming out and we decided we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then 2004 was the first year that uh, Coco de Farrera and I already planned to go back in the summer to, to be, to be with her. And then it just so happened that Farrera was happening. So Coco asked me to play music for Farrera in the, on a stage when people were entering in. I said, no problem. <laughs> so I was part of Farrera and he wanted Oteapi, but we just finished 2003, the year before, and I, I couldn't bring, I couldn't bring another group, you know, I couldn't bring another trip. So I brought a really small musician cast, but a lot of other groups, Nomenzo was participating, Lokilani present, uh, pre, uh, made a presentation, Timano Otera, um, there's like five or six groups and there was a local talent. This was at Fa'a, at the media Fa'a where we put it on. From that point on, I had, that 2004, I had asked her to marry me. And so we said, okay, we're gonna get married. Let's go to the States, okay? So she said, okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna move to the States and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna teach with you. And that's, I'm gonna start my new life with you there. I said, perfect. So that's, that's what we did. So we went to go get a service. I looked up a service and there happened to be a service in Tracy that was helping people in our situation uh, get their visas and get the, and then move to passports even. So I went in there, I went to this office and it was in downtown Tracy because I was living in Tracy at the time. And I went in there and he had helped out Fijians. He told me this is what you need to do. I think it cost me like a thousand dollars to get it started. And that was kind of high for me at the time, but I said, I don't know where to even begin. I don't even know what to do. I said, let's, okay, this sounds good. So I, all the paperwork was set up for me. I just had to sign, do this. You need to go there for a physical. You need to go there for their you know, other stuff. This is, all the appointments were set up. We just went, boom, 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 paid the fee. Now we're in process. And then the final step he asked us though is, it'd be better, I think I met with him. He said, it'd be better if you get married. I said, okay. So we got, you know, I, we were, I already asked her to marry me. So yeah, that was on our agenda anyway. So let's go get married and that'll help out. Let's get married now and this will help us out. So we did, we got married in Reno in the, in the month of November, 2004. And after that, we got back from Reno. I went straight to, we went straight to the office. I said, okay, we're good. We're married now. Here's our certificate, she goes, perfect. I said, okay, so, you know, my father has got something going on in February, he's gonna turn 60. He wants to go on a Mexican cruise. I'm going to take my whole family. She, she can't go. Well, huh? What do you mean she can't go? She can't go. She got to stay here until her, until her car comes in. You out of the country, you come back in. That's a no-no. I'm all, bro, you never say that. I'm thinking I'm going to send her back home already. You know what I mean? So she can go visit her family, come back. We weren't told that. At least I didn't hear that part. And she was here for a year before she can even get back on a plane to go back to the island. And she was, it was, it was, it was tough. It was tough. She, she was, that was a hard one. Finally came in, I swear about it, two weeks later, boom, on the plane, all the way back to Rongi. She was, she was out, she was ready to go. Um, after that, the visas was good. We were, we were good for the, cause she had her, um, how you call it? It wasn't even a visa, it was the cart resident. That's what we went for instead of the visa. So she's a permanent resident of California, of the United States. And, but right now, presently, we, we, we split it up. 
we're more six months there, six months here. It's like that. That's how we're doing it. Because we opened the halal over there. So, and she wants to spend time more with her mom. She's older now. So, right. That's where we're at. But I, I'm really actually surprised because when you told me years ago that we reminded you of you guys, I didn't know there was so much in common, right? Because it actually, like hearing your story, yeah, that Tahitian and person from here, you know, whether it's Hawaiian or mainland mm-hmm. U.S. person, yeah, that that relationship, it, it, it happens quick, you know? Yeah. I'm hearing like, okay, so you guys, it was like within two years that all that happened. Yeah. So that is like us, right? And you must have seen it happen and go, hey, that does remind me of Oh yeah, bro. Myself. Like what oh, yeah. I, I thought like when you were telling me that it was about the dynamic, but I didn't realize it was a lot in common, right? Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. And then the other thing too is that whole process of um, yeah, I can imagine that was the biggest challenge, right? Because that, that's what Vaidea hated was being stuck here for a year. I don't think it's actually the months that pass that's hard. I think it's the mentality. Like I can't go anywhere. I can't go on a trip, I can't go home, nothing. Yeah. So I remember, remember we were staying at a, we were at an apartment at one one time Mm -hmm. and a whole house was all, I had curtains, patio. I had had shells all, cause she, when when she decided she was gonna come live with us before we got married, she brought everything and we had connection at Air Tahiti Nuya. (laughs) <laughs> bro we brought back coral rocks shells pot ale everything she goes i'm going I'm, uh, if i'm gonna live over there i'm gonna make it like i'm living in the island in tahiti yeah yeah mm-hmm. straight up what year was your daughter born turere ura was born 2008 turere wasn't born here in the states she was born in tahiti we found it was a lot convenient more convenient to be born in, in tahiti um so she was born in tahiti the, she was one of the, the last babies to be born in Mom O because they, that whole hospital is torn down now. Everybody's at Taoni now. But um, I remember that experience, you know, because I have three kids, right, already from my first marriage. And, and I went to all, I've been to all of their, 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 their births of my children, but not in Tahiti. That was a different experience for me, totally different experience. And rightfully so, every birth is a different experience. But yeah. So they was born in 2008 and um, we had to stay in Tahiti for a little bit because the islands, they don't have, they don't have, you can't, you can't, you have to go to, when you live in the islands and you, and you are, on, and you are pregnant, you have to go to Tahiti like a month before your due date. So we were in, living, we were staying with my uh, Natalie's sisters in Mahina and we had to stay there for an extra couple of weeks. Then we went back to Rongi with baby. And then I had to come back because my, my I, I didn't have I didn't have papers to stay. My visa was giving it was only good for three months, so I had to come back. Then I didn't get to see them for a while. Then they came up, and then, then that started going on, going back and forth, going back and forth a lot. Because she was she was at that time by two thousand eight. Um, let's see, yeah, two thousand eight. We we weren't sure. We were already thinking about schools and stuff, but we weren't sure if we were going to have to really go to school in the States or go to school in Tahiti or Rongi. And so, but we had time because she was only, you know, she was just born. So, and then as time went by, before she, before she started school, we decided she's going to go to school in Rongi. So that's, that's what's been going on. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally could see that. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was us too prior to COVID. 
right? It was like she was going back three times a year. Mm. It was nuts, you know? Yeah. I wish we could still do that, but COVID makes it a lot harder to um, do the back. No, they lifted, they lifted it up. They yeah, lifted I see what you guys are doing, which is great. You got, you're able to come back and forth pretty, pretty, it's no, easy. No, but they're lifting right? the COVID testing ag into that. Yeah. yeah, right, right. That's good. That's better for all of us, you know? Yeah. I had this whole section I was going to ask about, Ture uh, Reura, about, you know, how much she's learning of the culture at home, but she's, she's from there, you know? So um, that, that kind of question maybe doesn't apply, but we did see like a video of her on the news. I shared it. Yeah. I loved seeing it because it, it was, it was awesome. Like I've known you all this time, but then when mm -hmm. I saw her, how she lives over there with mom yeah. and um, you know, how they're doing the pareos and everything. Right. Oh man. But it was like, that's so wonderful. She was like, she had tears in her eyes. Mm -hmm. She's like, I, you know, I wish I could be back home and do the same kind of thing. I, so I told her, I said, well, look, this is what they did. They go back and forth a lot and now uncle can, can go and stay over there. So, you know, we, we should just get set up and then we can go do that too. So well, uh, I mean, been our plan. Yeah. I, I, if you, I mean, obviously you need a, you know, you need a place, right. But if, uh, if she has family in the islands, I recommend the islands, bro. It's a different, yeah. it's a different life. I can tell you that living in the islands outside of Tahiti. Right. Right. Ooh, blah, blah, that's a different life, you know, and because of, I grew up here in, I grew up here in California and I always wanted to live in Hawaii. My stents in Hawaii were like two months maximum. And then I had to come back to California. I got to do it, but not, not in kind of Honolulu style. I'm talking right. island, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's different. It's yeah. Different. You're really on the rock. I'm on the rock, bro. Another it's like, thing. It's, 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 yeah. a, it's trippy. It's trippy. I can imagine. Yeah. I yeah. got to make my way out there and visit someday. It looks yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a different life. The community is small. We're, what, 2,500 people. Everybody knows everybody. Um, the one road, no more traffic lights. Very small atoll. And, and you see the way life is on a right. very simple, simple level. Yes. You know what I mean? Can imagine. Yeah. yeah, and I'm blessed. What can I say? I'm blessed. I feel blessed. I mean, I'm I'm humbled and I'm and I'm grateful, for sure. You know what I'd like to hear from you, uh, because I I totally respect all the stuff you guys do, um, especially all the the work that I've seen you put in all these years, just for our community here, and also doing stuff over there. I mean, all those trips were organized by by you. You know, Farida. My, my question for you then turns back to our families, right? Um, as a person, as a spouse to a Tahitian person, a father to a Tahitian daughter, um, what advice do you give to all of our families, especially the new families like mine and other couples that are having children or just getting started? And what, what kind of advice do you give us to um, embrace the culture inside the house with our kids, making sure they don't lose it? I, th I see that you've, you guys have done a marvelous job with, with your daughter. She dances, mm. she, she does it all of that, you know? So for us to um, think on the same wavelength, what, what would you say? Well, the interest, uh, obviously uh, um, it became easy for us because we're in, involved with the dance and the music and whatnot. So if you're already involved in the dance and the music, that's, that's, that's gonna become second nature to the children, obviously. Um, but if you're not, um, I always look towards, I always think about my, my, my brother, my, my mother's brothers and sisters, some of, not all of them were dancers, but there was something that they did 
like one of them is when it came to Hawaiian food, man, he was the uncle to go to, you know what I mean? He was, he made those plates up and, and at the same time, he was sharing stories of how he learned and how, how, how to make the food. Oh yeah. Cause grandma said, we got to do this and you got to put it like this. You got to cut the fish like this. You got to mix it in like this. And <clears throat> so if it's not the dance, it's with the ma'a or the food and it, in, in that domain, and if not, or artisan, if there if there's someone in the family that knows about the artisan that type of thing, you know you're 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 you're, you're practicing it at home, and your children are going to see it, whether they show interest in it or not. It's still a visual, it's still a part of their life, you know. And you and you you, you talk to them about it. Um, it. It almost becomes second nature to Haitian families only because they miss home so much. They're gonna bring. They're gonna bring that to the house. They're gonna. It's, it's automatic. They're gonna bring that to the house. So, the, my advice is to yeah, to continue with that. Continue with that. Always talk to them about who's their, who their, their, their parents. Share the stories that you know from your family, uncles and 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 and, and aunties, um, your mother, your father. Share the stories of that. For, I, I advise that for any culture, for any for any family, whether you're Polynesian or not, you gotta you gotta share the stories of your elders where they come from. You know what I mean? That's that's the way that your kids are gonna know who they're from. You, you know, that's a that's an old that's an old what you call to to understand your future is to know your past. You know, and the only way to, to do that is just you have to you have orally you have to share that you have to share that definitely yeah. No, that's great advice. I agree. I mean, I see that even with you talked about like your your uncle who made the ma'a, but I also see that with like. Your your siblings are talented too, right? Um, passing on the um, the different traditions to your nieces and nephews. You have, you know, your your brother who does the tattoo. Your brother mm. who's ratira, and your sister who's doing the dance as well. So all of that gets passed on. I could totally see that, like Tation yeah. or not, that yeah. got passed on, you know. But it's good for our families to hear from your voice and your advice because, you know, you're doing this many years before I did. You know, a good over maybe a dozen years before I, I even met her. So I was like listening to the timeline, like, wow, you did that way before. I can imagine how, well, you're brave uncle, you know, you're, I got to give it to you because huh. at least I had you to ask, you know, a little bit. I had my brother ask you because he knew you from, um, right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but, um, you know, thank, thank, thankfully you were kind enough to answer me. And I hope this podcast can help somebody maybe who's shy out there. Maybe they don't even know who to, go to they feel like i don't even know either of them well that's what i feel it is, it's doing i mean i can see a lot of the comments in in, in the posts and whatnot they're just so grateful that this, that, that that you have this that, so that other people can share where they're coming from and there's a lot of it i see that and i'm and i'm i'm actually um amazed um but not not surprised but amazed like wow there is a lot <laughs> and yeah, before they, us before they, me there was a lot before me that went through probably a little bit harder ships than, than I did or, or easier, but right. there were, there was people before me, before us. For sure. Yeah. Cause in, in our, in our own like lives, it feels very like unique. Like you said, it's like, right. we're the only ones who yeah. no one else that we know in our direct like lives, you know, like even just our families, but circle of friends that, mm. well, who else is marrying someone from Tahiti? I mean, who yeah. starts their marriage by paying lawyers and fees and visas and, the back and forth trips, it's a lot, you know? So yeah. that is, that is a big purpose of why we did this is to, um, it's its own little community. It's different, but 
it's here, you know, people are asking about things and wondering. So that's good, bro. That's I'm happy for you, yeah. man. I'm very, I'm very happy for you. Well, no, I'm happy you're helping. I'm happy you're part of it. Yeah. Me means too. a lot. Thank you. Thank you. So that's the last question is, you know, as we're trying to bridge together this community that we built, you know, other Polynesian communities have their community. Like you described growing up, you had your Hawaiian diaspora community. Mm -hmm. So now we have this Tahitian American diaspora community of families who um, one spouse is from here or Hawaii and the other spouse is from French Polynesia. Mm. And there's all these kids now, right? That that's new. Yeah. So, you know, what would you say we have to keep doing to other than the podcasts, other than being part of say the group, what do you think it'll take for us to have a solid community and be more, um, you know, together? Well, um, for what what's always been what's always been there has been the dance you know with all the different uh, events the halos and whatnot that's that's like an automatic because you you that's the one place where you can go and see everybody um, um with the internet obviously you, you you can even bring them closer you know and and we're farther apart you know east coast for example midwest or whatnot and through this type of uh, medium, we have that we have that capability of, of even being closer. Uh, but events, I think events where where everybody plans on like like how you do in Southern California, I think it's a terrific idea. They all, I mean, especially if you're doing it annually, or you know, if you do even more than annually, it's something that everybody can look towards to. And then you're throwing these different ideas out there, which I think is fantastic. Uh, at this particular this particular annual event. This time around, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do like you said. I think I heard a, a talent show. We're gonna come. Up, oh, I don't do a talent. No worry. We'll get something else where you, maybe we can teach an aparima. Maybe we can teach an old. Uh, maybe we could teach how to, you know, ahune. You know, stuff like this. And it, it becomes like, oh, okay. You know, there's surprisingly enough, there is a lot of people in Tahiti even that don't dance. You know, that don't do the cultural things. Not to say that they don't want to just that their life at the moment doesn't permit it. But once they get into it, they love it. You know what I mean? Of course, it's, it's in the song. It's in the blood, you know what I mean? And it becomes second nature. <clears throat> so I think by doing these events and these get-togethers, um, it will help it out, especially for the kids, because they see they see that as well. Like like you just like you just said, that that's what I grew up in. I grew up in going to luau's, and seeing family members or excuse me friends uh, of the family you know what i mean and it was like a regular thing and your community just gets bigger and then you can reach out especially now you can reach out to people and they need help but for the kids like you said it's great to have them be together um just just to be together and and you know maybe a tahitian mother or father is speaking french or tahitian to the to their child and now they have somebody else to converse with, you know, and I think that's that's cool. That's cool, you know what I mean? I don't know if you did they 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 speak French or Tahitian with the mom. See ya. Yeah, yeah. She she only speaks. Uh, I mean, she speaks French and Tahitian to them. So you know they they. But then it's funny because the older one now is answering back in English because he goes to school, right? Yeah. So he understands completely, but then he'll answer back in English because he's comfortable that way. But I hope now that the restrictions are lifted, I could send them back more often like we were before, you know? It's crazy, yeah. I mean, I grew up, when my, my baby girl was growing up, she's 13 now. I 
it blew me away that she speaks French Tahitian. It just it blows me away that it just you know not English for some reason right, I'm not you're, surprised you're not impressed speaks, by English. Yeah, no, I'm not. But I'm not. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's normal. Right. But it's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. That's it is I crazy. think that the the children like that can and already bilingual kids, bro. That's a plus, man. Yeah, absolutely. Definite plus. Bro. Trilingual, right? Trilingual. Trilingual. Yeah. Trilingual. Right. Yeah, no, it blows me away, too, because I, I don't know why I'm so surprised. Even the other day, um, more recently, she told him a whole instruction, like a whole list of instructions. Go get the balinio. After that, I want you to go back into the bathroom, take off your clothes, turn on the water, get in, you know, all this thing. And he did it. And I was like, but it was all in Tahitian, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, what the? Oh, yeah. Yeah. understood all of that yeah. and i was thinking well why wouldn't he understand it but i guess i'm still like it's me right I'm we're processing and trying to understand yes. it because i'm not going to be <laughs> fluent like that i'm going hold on i got the first part <laughs> i'm still trying to get, and he's already doing his work <laughs> right right exactly oh, i get that i get that and uncle i i can't tell you what an amazing interview it's been and oh, uh, what an honor it's been as well thank you so much for being well, here i i have to admit thank you for letting me share my story Thank you for letting me share my story. I've, I always thought about, I mean, I wonder if I can share my, you know, I don't, I don't like, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, a bolster. I guess, you yeah. know, I'm not, I'm not that kind of person, but I do have a story, of you course. know, but when the opportunity comes up, yeah, I would love, I love to share my story. So yeah. thank you. I not boasting that. at all. It's, it's it, it, everything you told us was all the timeline. So it's an amazing <laughs> timeline. Thanks for sharing it with us. Right on, right on. When you see Hanale by moonlight, you will be by the sea. Every breeze, every wave will whisper, whisper. Beloved